You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Hello, and welcome to uh, Introducing Christianity, uh, Reverend Matt Rawl at Asbury United Methodist Church. Uh, still see some folks coming, coming on and joining us. Um, this is a new medium, uh, at least for me. Uh, I'm using StreamYard, and I, I've not figured out all of the the bells and whistles uh, just yet. So, like early in our discussion tonight, you'll see it's like really cool graphics and and pictures and and little banners, and then and then I I, I ran out of time because I was playing with it <laughs> uh, too much. Uh, so thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll, we'll wait uh, just a couple of minutes for folks uh, to jump on and join us. Um, while folks are coming on, uh, over the next four weeks, I thought it was really important in, in the month of January uh, to kind of get back to the basics. Of Let's get back to Jesus's life. Let's get back to how it is we're supposed to be Christians. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to follow Jesus? And one of the ways uh, to do that, hey, Anita uh, and Ruth, uh, good to see you. Um, thanks for joining us. One of the ways we do that is uh, to kind of introduce the faith, right? <clears throat> so what we're going to do, we're going to spend the next four weeks uh, over following this format, this virtual format, and uh, feel free to share and uh, or gather in the living room and, and join uh, with your family. Uh, it will be family friendly, uh, don't worry. Uh, but what we're going to do, we're going to spend four weeks uh, in four different categories. Uh, we're going to, in terms of introducing Christianity, we're going to start with scripture <clears throat> because we are people of a book, right? People of the book, uh, I guess you could say. We're going to start with scripture. Next week, we're going to talk about the life of Jesus. The week after that, we're going to talk about the church. What does it mean for this group of followers to have uh, come together as a community of faith? And then finally, we'll talk about what it means for today, you know, that the fancy word for that is ethics. Like, how do we live today uh, in our culture? Uh, I will say, uh, feel free to, to post comments uh, or if you have any questions, you know, I'll try to stop and, and answer those uh, as I see them. Or if you just want to say hi, you know, put a, put a message down, uh, put a message there. Uh, we'd love to, to, I'd love to say hi to you because uh, it, it is a little weird not to be able to see you. Uh, but we're going to spend the next four weeks, uh, and 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 because of that, because this is a very short session, uh, four week session, it's going to be a very broad, uh, lots of broad strokes here. We're not going to get into the weeds and, and get really detailed, uh, unless you have a question about something, and and I can certainly uh, do my best uh, to answer that. Uh, so we start with with scripture uh, today. Let me give you a bit of a roadmap of of what we're doing, uh, and then we'll open with a, a word of prayer. Because we're talking about scripture today and we're gonna meet until seven o'clock, like we have a hard stop at seven o'clock uh, because band practice starts at seven o'clock and they're gonna come and get me out of my office uh, if I'm not done. Because we're gonna spend the next hour on the Bible, which is 66 books uh, uh, together, depending, and we'll talk about that, depending on what faith tradition uh, you're a part of, uh, it's gonna be a very broad stroke uh, of looking at uh, the Bible as a whole. Uh, and let me, let me also say that uh, when we're talking about scripture and we're talking about interpretation, uh, we may land in different places at the end of the day of what uh, interpretation is and, and what particular scriptures mean. And that's okay. 
Uh, if we land in different places, that's okay. We'll 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 talk about that. But just uh, this is a safe uh, place. Uh, feel free to join us. Feel free to, if you're brave enough to drop a question in the comments. Uh, I'd love to answer that. I'd love to say hi to you uh, as we gather. So let's start with uh, a word of prayer as we gather tonight. Gracious God, we do give you thanks for calling us here uh, over this medium of of Facebook uh, as we virtually gather. Though we know that your Spirit is present with us. So pour out your spirit, however we may be gathering. Enlighten our time with one another as we explore what it means to be connected to Christ. What does it mean to be a faith community? Fill us, O Lord, with your presence as we gather here tonight. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right, let's, uh, let's jump in. Uh, like I said, put something in the comments if you have a question about something or if you just want to say hi. That's cool too. So let's talk about the Bible, right? So the, the four things that we're going to talk about over the next four weeks is scripture, Jesus, the church, and then what does that mean today uh, as we gather? Uh, some of the sources uh, that we will be using uh, is, and let me pull it up. I'm so pleased and excited with myself that I was able to do this. Uh, so boom, here, here's the, this is what we're doing. And you've seen this graphic on Facebook, introducing Christianity. Uh, the main source that we're using for, uh, our, our time together is a book called Introducing Christianity. Oh, yeah, right there, right there. Introducing Christianity by Dr. James Howell. Uh, you don't have to have that book, uh, to join us, uh, but it's a great resource, uh, to follow along. Uh, yeah, it's Introducing Christianity, Exploring the Bible, faith and life. There's a real, there's a lot of great stuff uh, in this book. And if you want to order it, follow along, read it uh, at home. We'll be gleaning a lot of what this book says uh, about uh, what Christianity is in our time together. Another great source uh, that I'm using, uh, feel free to pick this up. Uh, it's the Hebrew Bible translation by Robert Alter, Alter, excuse me, Robert Alter. Uh, it's a beautiful translation. It has tons of notes and footnotes and background. And uh, it's just a, a, a beautiful resource. So I encourage you to pick that up. I'll put that up again so you can see it. Uh, the Hebrew Bible, uh, it's translation with commentary, Robert Alter. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, so we're gleaning some of that work as well uh, as we gather together. So let's talk about the Bible. First of all, when we, when we think about uh, scripture, we have to understand that the Bible is a library. Uh, it, the, the books of the Bible, it's if you're going to a library and you can pull Exodus off of the shelf or you can pull Galatians uh, off the shelf. The Bible is, is a library and it's from lots of different sources, uh, from lots of different times, lots of different cultures, primarily the Middle East, but, but not necessarily exclusively, well, from Jerusalem uh, and, and whereabout, but there's also Canaanite literature, there's poetry. You know, so the Bible, it's important first to understand that, that scripture is a library. You know, it didn't fall out of heaven in the Queen's English, uh, in the order in which we find it. Uh, it. That's just not so. So the Bible is a library. It's a collection of stories and poetry and laws, letters. Some things are exciting. Some things uh, are rather boring. Um, but it is a, it's a history. It's a story. It's a story of God, it's a story of humanity, and it's also the story of God and humanity uh, together. 
It is the inspired word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it is, it is a record of humanity's wrestling uh, with God. You know, Israel means uh, he who wrestles with God. Uh, and that's the story of scripture. It's humanity wrestling uh, with God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and it is a library from, from lots of uh, different places. You know, the Bible is not something that we look at per se. This is an important metaphor. The Bible is not something that we look at. Rather, the Bible is something that we look through. It's a lens through which we understand our God and understand our world and understand uh, one another. So when we're approaching scripture, it's important to understand that it's a library and it's also a lens through which we understand God and understand one another. Now, when we're reading uh, scripture, yes, the Hebrew Bible, yes, uh, uh, Miss Catherine, uh, the Hebrew Bible uh, by Robert Atler. It's a really, it's a really fantastic uh, resource. I have it on my desk uh, right over there. Um, it's a, it, pick it up. Uh, it's, it's great. I think christianbook.com has it uh, on sale, or you can you know, do Amazon uh, for sure. Um, when we're looking at scripture, there are three hurdles that we need to overcome uh, when, when we attempt to read scripture, or at least read scripture well. When we do that, there are three hurdles. There's language, time, and culture. So first, language, right? Uh, scripture was uh, the Old Testament, or I say Old Testament. I, sh- I should have started here. <laughs> the, uh, as Christians, we, we sometimes call uh, the first part of the Bible the Old Testament, right? And that's fine. What, what's even more correct uh, is, is the Hebrew scriptures, right? Uh, it, it's, it's the writings uh, from uh the, the, the Torah and the prophets and the writings, the Hebrew scriptures. It was, it was Jesus's Bible. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, the Hebrew scriptures, scriptures, uh, weren't written in English, right? So language is the first hurdle that we need to, uh, overcome when we're reading scripture and reading scripture well. The Old Testament of the Hebrew scriptures were written in Hebrew. Right, and the New Testament or the Christian scriptures uh, are primarily written in Greek, and translation is a big part of that. You know, when we say "my Bible says," what we're actually saying is the committee that translated this into English says. Right, so it's important to read slowly and to understand that it's a translated work, and we kind of have to hold that intention uh, as as we read. The other thing we need to wrestle with is time. Uh, Scripture was written thousands of years ago. Uh, and if you don't think that's a hurdle, then try reading Shakespeare. <laughs> that was written uh, just uh, several hundred years ago. Uh, and, and you can get a doctorate in reading Shakespeare, right? And that was written in English. So not only was it not written in English, it's also thousands of years old. And we have to hold that uh, intention as well. And then finally, Scripture is Middle Eastern literature. So culturally, it's a little bit different. And I love talking about this, you know, language and culture. It, it happens on Facebook every now and again, and you'll see it uh, uh, pop up is d- depending on the kind of language that you use uh, can reveal where you're from, right? So if I have a Coca-Cola, like what do you call that? You know, I'd love to, for you to put that in, in the comments. So if you have a, a Coca-Cola, what do you call that? If you want to order a Coke at the restaurant, what do you call it? Uh, some folks would call it Coke, uh, and they would be correct. Uh, I'm kidding. Um, primarily, people in the South use brand names, generally speaking. So a soft drink is a Coke, 
right? Or you might call it a soft drink, right? Or you might call it pop, right? Bless your heart if you call it pop. Uh, or soda, right? So the language that we use can reveal where we're from. Uh, for example, another example, uh, what do you call the... Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Katie, you're exactly right. I'll have a Coke. What kind? Sprite. You know, exactly, right? Especially in New Orleans. And Katie, you'll, you'll get this uh, since you're down in, in, in NOLA. What do you call that grassy part in between two streets, right? So you're driving down a street and there's a, a, a grassy part in the middle. What do you call that? Um, and feel free to, to put that in the comment. What do you call that? A little grassy knoll in between streets. Do you call it a median? Well, maybe. Uh, if you're in New Orleans, you don't call it a median. Uh, you call it the neutral ground, <laughs> right? Neutral ground, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Katie got it right. The neutral ground. Uh, so even, even today, in terms of culture, language can reveal where you're from. Uh, yeah, every, everywhere else, it's, it's, it's a medium. Uh, and the same thing, you know, one of my favorite stories is I was on a mission trip, and uh, I told this from the pulpit. Uh, and, and I wanted to fill up my water bottle. I have my water bottle here. I've had it, uh, for like 20 years now. Uh, I wanted to fill it up and I asked someone where the water fountain was. And they said, uh, there isn't a water fountain. I was like, God, oh, geez, no, where, where are people water, you know, filling up their water bottles? And they said, Oh, the bubblers in the cafeteria. <laughs> Sorry. What's a, what's a bubbler. Right. Uh, and I think, I think bubbler comes from Ohio. In Ohio, do they call it a bubbler? Well, I asked uh, you know, the person that was, was trying to direct me. I said, well, what do you call a water fountain? They said, well, a water fountain's outside of big buildings and it has statues in it and all the water is coming out. Yeah, that's a water fountain. You know, oh, okay, well, I call it a water fountain. You call it a bubbler, uh, whatever that is. So all of that to say, when we're, reading, when we're reading scripture as a whole, there are three hurdles that we kind of have to wrestle with uh, and, and, and hold in tension. Language, it wasn't written in English. Time, it was written thousands of years ago, and language changes over time. Words change meaning uh, over time. And, uh, and culture, right? It's, it's Middle Eastern literature. It didn't come from, uh, didn't come from Shreveport, right? It didn't come from Bozier or wherever you, may be, wherever you may be listening. So we have to hold those uh, three tensions uh, with one another. And when we're reading, and it's therefore, therefore, Scripture, scripture needs interpretation, you have to interpret its meaning. Uh, and we, the same is true when we're reading anything really, but especially with, with scripture, sometimes we forget that it has to be interpreted because of those hurdles. And you know, at the end of the day, uh, we might come to a different conclusion of, of what scripture means. I would love to, I would love to say that because I'm a pastor, that every word that comes out of my mouth is, is straight from the mouth of God, right? Uh, and you could, every interpretation and every idea I have is perfect. And that would be what we call in the business a lie. <laughs> so no one holds a monopoly on interpretation. I'd love for that to be so, uh, but that's not true. Uh, so no one holds a monopoly on uh, interpretation. We all have to kind of hold that together in a community of faith and wrestle, wrestle with it. At the end of the day, uh, even though we don't have a monopoly on interpretation, there is a, a kind of a general rule, so to speak. And this is one of the things I love about being uh, Methodist is the three general rules uh, of Methodism uh, is do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. In other words, we might 
find ourselves with different interpretations of, of, of what a scripture means or what a story means in scripture. As long as those interpretations do no harm and they do good and they help us to stay connected with God, stay in love with God, or if you're old school, attend to all the ordinances of God, then we're okay. Um, I will say that there can be some wrong interpretations. <laughs> I'll say that, yes, an interpretation can be wrong. And the rule of thumb of whether or not a, a, an interpretation is correct is if it does no harm, if it helps us to do good and to stay uh, in love with God. That's a great general rule uh, to kind of check our interpretations uh, of Scripture. Also, when we talk about the Bible, you know, depending on what tradition we're a part of, we're talking about something different. You know, sometimes we're surprised by this, uh, that that Bibles are different. You know, sometimes we do. We, we think that the Bible like fell out of the sky written in English and it's, and there it is, you know, with, with no tensions, it's all perfect and nothing is Depending on what tradition you're a part of, you may have a, a different Bible. So, for example, Protestants, uh, we have 66 books in our library uh, that we call the Bible. Uh, Catholics have 73. They have 73 books in their library uh, that they call uh, the Bible. Uh, and then Orthodox beat them. Orthodox have, the Orthodox Church, Eastern uh, Orthodox, has 79 uh, books in their library that is called the Bible. And then the winner, the one that has the most books is the Ethiopian church. The Ethiopian church has 84 books in their uh, canon, which is a fancy way of saying the library, the approved library uh, that you call uh, the Bible. So depending on what tradition is, when you talk about the Bible, we might actually be talking about slightly different things that have different teachings and, and, and different sayings and different books. Uh, in them. Uh, so uh, we Protestants, uh, ours is the shortest. We have uh, 66 books in our library, uh, but other traditions uh, have more. And it's just an interesting thing uh, uh, to take a look at. When we're reading, so how do we read scripture well, right? It's important when we're reading scripture, it's important to recognize that that scripture isn't a blueprint. What I mean by that is uh, there's with a blueprint, you have to read it very literally, right? The wall is this many feet. This is where the window goes. Here are the door openings. The wall should be so many feet tall. There's not much room for metaphor when, when reading a blueprint. I hope there's not. I'm not an architect uh, and I'm not in construction management, but I would imagine the blueprint has to be followed specifically and to the T. And if you don't follow that blueprint precisely, your building's not going to stay up. <laughs> it's going to be wonky. It's not going to be what's in, it, what's it, it is intended uh, to be. Scripture is, is not a blueprint. It's not to be read as a blueprint. Within Scripture, we have, yes, we, we have law. Uh, we also have, we have some things that are meant to be read literally, like, the, for example, uh, when building the tabernacle uh, in, in the book of Exodus. It is a blueprint. So read it like a blueprint, you know. Uh, but on the whole, uh, Scripture is a theological work. It's helping us understand who God is, who humanity is, and who God and humanity is as a people of faith. So it's not meant to be read as a blueprint, and meaning extremely literally, right? Uh, to, to be read literally. Actually, when, when we read Scripture literally, if we read it like a blueprint, we actually run into some problems, and we run into... Uh, some issues. We'll we'll get into that uh, in just a in just a moment. So, in reading 
the Bible well is to read it the way that it's intended to be read. Um, when you read, you know, you don't read poetry the same way that you read biography. And you don't read biography the same way that you read geological textbook, right? Because the Bible is a, is a library and because it is a collection of lots of different types of literature, we have to read that in different ways, right? Revelation is apocalyptic literature. It's figurative literature. Uh, it's written in code, which is different from the Psalms, which is this beautiful poetry, which is different than uh, the law in, in Leviticus, which is different than the Gospels, which is a theological writing of how to understand who Jesus was, right? We can't read it as a blueprint. And if we do read it as a blueprint, we run, we run into uh, some problems. Now, and let me say this um, before you before you log off <laughs> in, in, in disgust, right? There is a time to pick up scripture and to be nourished by it. The Lord is it's like the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. There's a time to pick it up and just be nourished by it. There's also a time to pick it up and kind of break it apart and to dive into it and to look behind it, flip it over upside down, to read the footnotes, to study it, right? To, to break it apart, right? And, and, and to understand. So the Lord is my shepherd. Um, what does it mean to say the Lord and not Caesar, right? It's a bit of a scandalous psalm. And sometimes we lose the scandal that the Lord is my shepherd. And why does it say shepherd? Because some might think the Lord is my warrior or the, the Lord is my refuge and strength, right? That's in scripture. So what did the psalmist mean when he said the Lord is my shepherd, right? I shall not want. That doesn't mean that I shall not want um, Jesus. I shall not want the Lord, right? It means I am in want of nothing. I don't need anything else other than, than God. That's right, exegesis. Uh, it's not a fancy way of saying Jesus. Uh, exegesis means to break it apart and, and to and to get out of scripture the message, right? Exegesis, out of the scripture. Uh, there's also eisegesis, which is reading something into uh, scripture. The exegesis, well done, gold star, Catherine. You get the gold star for today uh, so far. Let's see, if, let's see who else can get a gold star uh, while, while we're gathering. Yeah, exegesis is to break it down and to uh, uh, get out of scripture what the message is, which on Sunday, uh, by the way, was an exegetical sermon. Right, I walked very slowly through the text, looking at the different words uh, as we uh, walked through it. That was an exegetical sermon. We don't have time to do a sermon symposium, but there you go. It was an exegetical sermon because you went almost word by word through the scripture to find what the meaning is. I've had a lot of coffee today, so I also need a lot of a lot of water. Um, excellent. So. Um, scripture is a library. There's a time uh, from lots of different sources. The three hurdles, right, of language, uh, time, and culture. We have to hold those in tension. When we're talking about the Bible, uh, depending on our tradition, we might be talking about a different thing, right? Protestants have 66 books. Uh, the Ethiopian church has 84, right? Um, and scripture is not meant to be read as a blueprint. Some parts are, right? Like I said, the building of the tabernacle, taber tabernacle, Tabernacle is literally a, bl a blueprint of how to build it, right? Uh, but if we read all of scripture in that way, we're missing the beauty of it. We're missing the intention of how it's written. And then there's a time to pick it up and be nourished. 
And there's also a time to chew on it a bit, right? To, to break it apart, to look at the different words, to study it, to read the footnotes. Always read the footnotes. If you have a study Bible, ooh, um, here's my study Bible. Uh, it's the HarperCollins study Bible. Uh, and the footnotes are really, really fantastic. Um, having a good study Bible uh, is important when you're doing Bible study, right? Kind of makes sense uh, there. So, uh, question before I move on, are there any questions? You can uh, throw some questions down into the comments, uh, or if you just want to say, if you just want to say hi, uh, I do have the comments scrolling here, so I can see those before we go any further. Any questions so far in terms of the Bible? That's a very broad, broad paintbrush uh, on the Bible. We'll get a little bit more specific uh, in, in just a moment, uh, but that's, uh, that's the gist of it. So um, for our time together, uh, we'll be walking through Introducing Christianity by James Howell. I had the graphic up there, uh, and I don't have it in the queue, so I can't pull it up just right now. Uh, great book, very accessible, uh, and it's wonderful. There's so much uh, in here that we won't be able to to cover. Uh, but this is this is a great book. James Howell is a great teacher, uh, and it's a good it's a good book to follow. So let's talk about the Hebrew Scriptures. The Hebrew Scriptures uh, fall into kind of three different categories of what it is. There's the Torah or the Torah. Uh, and that's the first five books of the Bible, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy is a remembering of the first four books, right? So really, you have, you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. And then during King Josiah's reign, uh, it was either found, as, a, as the story says, or it was written down a remembering or a reframing of those first four books of the Bible. So, and in that, in that equation, in that roadmap, right, we have Genesis, which is the beginning of all things. I love, you know, uh, reading the Old Testament, reading Genesis, uh, is it's kind of the story of one large dysfunctional family trying to figure out what God is calling them to do. Uh, and reading Genesis should make us all feel better about our own families <laughs> at home, right? So it starts with creation, uh, Adam and Eve, uh, and then we, we, we move into, of course, the stories of Noah and the Tower of Babel. Uh, but then we get to Abraham, right? And Abraham's family, or Abram's family, Abram became Abraham, name change there. Uh, and then we go through the patriarchs or, or the fathers of our faith, you know, uh, Isaac, uh, and uh, Ishmael, Jacob and Esau, uh, Joseph and uh, his brothers. Uh, so we, we start with the Garden of Eden and we end with God's people going into the land of Egypt. And at that point in Genesis, at the end of Genesis, Egypt is a land of blessing and it's a land of plenty. So humanity started in the garden, was exiled from the garden, and then came into kind of a promised land of, of Egypt because it was a place of, of plenty and it saved them, uh, from, from famine. That's kind of the trajectory of, uh, Genesis. And then Exodus is the story of Egypt became a place of bondage and slavery and oppression. And Egypt is the story of them leaving, uh, that place as is, uh, Leviticus and numbers. It's them in the wilderness. It's Moses and the people in the wilderness trying to figure out what it means for God to be their God, for Yahweh to be 
their God. You know, we have Mount the, the, the Sinai mountaintop where we get the 10 commandments and we get the laws and, and the, it's a formation of a people uh, in, in the wilderness. Uh, and then when we get to Deuteronomy, it's a remembering of all of that, a reframing of, of all of that. Actually, there's two slightly different versions of the 10 commandments between Exodus and Deuteronomy. Uh, not huge differences, but a little bit, a little bit different, a little bit different language. They eventually get on the cusp of the promised land, right? That's the Torah. That's the teachings. Uh, the first five books of Moses, and it's called the five books of Moses because it's about Moses. It's not that Moses wrote those, those, those five books. And the way we know that is, is fairly simple because in the book of Deuteronomy, it talks about Moses' death and it's, it's hard to talk about your own death. As an example, uh, so the first five books of Moses, and I so awkwardly drank that water that I got water on my glasses. Man, I, I love this online forum. It's so great. Love it so much. I can't see anybody. I'm just like talking to my screen here. Um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the Torah. And then we move into the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and Hosea, and Amos, and, and all of these uh, prophets, um, when they finally get into the promised land, uh, the people turned away from God. And there's really one primary thing that the prophets are all about. There's really one thing that really makes God angry, uh, and it's idolatry. Idolatry has two sides to it. It's like one coin with two sides. On one side of the coin, uh, it is putting something in the place of God, whether that's power or money or Facebook <laughs> or influence, right? Success, putting th these things become our God if they are our ultimate concern. That's one side of the idolatrous coin. Or, you know, in the ancient times, you had other, other gods, right? You had Baal or, or Baal, Molech, um, these characters that there was a temptation to to worship them and it's hard to blame them really you know because you you pray to baal for rain and then it rains you know uh and when you're dependent upon the rain for your survival that's that's pretty tempting right uh, it's not so much that they thought that this little figurine on their mantle was actually a god but all they knew is that they prayed to it for rain and then it rained so uh, i'm gonna pray to it again uh, but the point is, is, is to, is to rely on God, the one true God. So on one side of the coin, uh, is, 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 it's both idolatry, but on one side, it is putting something in the place of God, right? Whether it's power, money, influence, success, whatever. The other side of the coin is still idolatry, but it's oppression of the poor. Oppression of the poor is an, is, is another way of saying putting yourself in the role of God in someone else's life. So on one side of the idolatrous coin, it's putting something in the place of God. On the other side of the coin, it's placing yourself in the place of God in someone else's life, right? It's all idolatry. That's the big sin in the prophets that the prophets are trying to warn the people uh, about, about, you know, you're going to go into exile, you know, stop being idolatrous. Uh, and it's two sides of the same coin. It's either putting something in the place of God or putting yourself uh, in, in the place of God in someone else's life. And we typically interpret that as oppression of the poor. It's like Ezekiel was talking, what is the sin of sister Sodom? Well, she had plenty and did not aid the poor. It's idolatry because you're withholding, right? You're trying to play the role of God 
in someone else's life. And then, so we have the, the, the Torah, right? The first five books of the Bible. And then we have the prophets, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Amos, Obadiah, you know, these, these guys uh, who were trying to warn the people uh, to, to, to stay in love with God, as we say, as, as Methodists. And then we have the writings, uh, which, which are uh, the Psalms and Ecclesiastes, wisdom literature, uh, Song of Solomon, right? You know, which is, which is a great read. I highly recommend reading the Song of Solomon. Um, uh, you also have Daniel, which is apocalyptic literature. So you have three kind of categories of, of, of the Hebrew scriptures, the Torah, the prophets, and then uh, the writings. And in each one of the, in, in, in the Torah and the prophets, each kind of have their, a similar trajectory, right? So in, in, in the Torah, you have Genesis, you have the Garden of Eden, uh, and then exile from the Garden of Eden into Egypt, and then going into the promised land. Like that's, that's kind of the trajectory. Same kind of thing is happening in the prophets too. The people are in the promised land and then they were exiled into Babylon and then they came back to the Holy Land and rebuilt the temple. The same kind of trajectory. And that should sound familiar when we get to the New Testament in terms of suffering, death and resurrection, right? You know, there's a similar pattern there. Uh, in, in God's word. Or as I like to say, Jesus was not an innovator as much as he was one who remembered God's story well. You have heard it said, but I say unto you. He's not throwing away the Hebrew scriptures. He's re-narrating them and helping us to see the heart of, of what uh, those writings are about. So a word about um, reading scripture as a blueprint and, and the danger in that. If we read scripture literally, if we read all of scripture literally, and we read all scripture the same as we might read a blueprint, we do, we run into issue, issues. Like for example, uh, I was looking at uh, first and second Samuel today. I learned something new for this Bible study. How about you're never too old, right? To, to learn something new. Um, how tall was Goliath? Anyone want to take a, Stab at how tall Goliath was? It's a loaded question, right? In some translations, uh, Goliath is six cubits and a span, which is something like 11 feet tall. Like that's tall. <laughs> that's, that's a big dude, right? Sign him up for the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, in other translations, he is uh, four cubits and a span, which is more like six foot 10, which, which seems, seems more realistic to have six foot 10 guy instead of an 11 foot guy. Uh, but like both numbers, depending on what translation you have, uh, both of those numbers are there, right? And if we're building a wall, if we're reading it like a blueprint and we build one, if, you, if, if I'm in charge of the east wall and I build it as 11 feet and you're in charge of the west wall and you build it six foot 10, we're gonna have different walls and it's, it's gonna be a problem. Right. Uh, so be careful when we read it literally, because uh, we might run into also with the I learned this. I learned this today, too, that in first Samuel, it says that David killed Goliath. Right. That's the story we remember and that we're familiar with in second Samuel, second uh, Samuel 21, 19, not, yeah, 21, 19. Uh, it says and I have a banner here, I have a fancy banner that, that talks about this. Uh, yeah, 1 Samuel 17, 4, it's David and Goliath, right? In 2 Samuel 21, 19, it's Elhanan and Goliath. How interesting is that? It could be that Elhanan is 
another name for David. Totally plausible. It could be that Elhanan was one of David's men uh, as they were fighting the Philistines. Also makes a lot of sense. But the problem is if we're reading it like a blueprint, that seems to be a contradiction. And it, it, we run into problems when we do that, right? The point of that story is there's nothing too big. There's nothing too great. There is nothing that you and God uh, can't handle, right? This David and Goliath uh, uh, kind of metaphor, uh, this, the, the point of that story is that uh, through faith, right, there is nothing that we cannot uh, see the light through, right? David, uh, Goliath may seem tall, either 11 feet or six feet, 10, six foot 10. Either way, someone's bigger than us. Something is bigger than us, seems to be bigger than us. But through faith, we can, we can tackle that. So all of that to say, and I'm not like pointing out all these little weirdo things in scripture for you to throw your Bible out of the window. And, oh my gosh, your Bible says Goliath was 11 feet tall. And my Bible says, you know, so let's, let's, th- no, no, no. It's just be sure that not everything in the Bible needs to be read like a blueprint. That's all. That's all I'm trying to say. Like Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, two complementary creation stories. If we're reading those like blueprints, we're going to run into problems. So stop doing that. <laughs> so, so stop it. Um, I'm going to pause there before before I go uh, into some of the writings. Uh, any any questions? Any comments? Any any grave concerns uh, that you want to put in uh, the comments there before we before we move forward? Or if you just want to say hi, you can do that too. Seeing none, uh, I'm going to move on. So we have the Torah, and then we have the prophets. The same kind of trajectory in the prophets as as we have in uh, the, the the Torah, but we also have the writings, right? Oh, the writings, uh, the Psalms, the wisdom literature, Ecclesiastes. Um, you know, I, I, I love I love the Psalms are life giving, uh, and part of the reason why the Psalms are life giving is is at least in in my words, my understanding, they're very they're very honest. They're very honest about our relationship with God. There are some Psalms that say, God, you, you are full of glory. And one day in your courts is better than a thousand days anywhere else. Uh, this beautiful language of the majesty of God. But you also have language that says, you know, tears have been my food day and night. And people shout at me, where is your God? And people shaking their fist at God saying, where are you, Lord? You know, I've been faithful. Why, why are these terrible things happening to me? Um, and it's very honest and it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, also, uh, the word of God. So the writings, Ecclesiastes, Job is part of the writing, Song of Solomon, Daniel uh, is part of those writings. Uh, and I made a note here to look at page 32. Oh, yeah. Um, sometimes when we're looking at the Hebrew scriptures of the Old Testament, we think that it's talking about another God. Like in the Old Testament, God is angry and bitter and, and hateful and out for blood and, and these kind of things. Um, you know, Dr. Howell uh, tackles this. Uh, it says, but to read the 39 books in this little library is to come to know a God who is amazingly patient. Uh, patient. I mean, seriously, um, I'm a dad. I have four kids. Uh, God's patience is astounding. <laughs> I mean, to be with the ancient Israelites in 40 years in the, in the wilderness and to, and to hear them complain the whole way, Right. Moses, did you bring us out here in the wilderness to die? We had better, it's better to die in Egypt than to, than to be out here. 
God is, is, is patient. That's the first thing that Dr. Howell picks up. God is amazingly patient, unfailingly merciful, bearing our rage, uh, bearing our raging, right? I mean, how many times do we have to turn away from God before God keeps saying, you are my people. I, I, I knit you in your mother's womb. You're my people. Uh, and I know you complain all the time and I know you keep turning away and you keep worshiping Baal and you keep thinking it's going to rain if you do a certain dance. And I am your people. I'm still your God. Right? Uh, yeah, Catherine, that's what I get out of it too. Uh, God is incredibly patient. My gosh. Um, and God is always creatively seeking some means to get back into relationship. That's beautiful. So great is this uh, love of God for people, for the chosen, for all of us. And ultimately, the, the Hebrew scriptures are, are about a God who will stop at nothing to be with us. And that's a beautiful thing. So that, in short, is, is Hebrew scriptures, and we've spent most of our time on that, as we should, because it's uh, most of the Bible. Uh, in fact, the Hebrew scriptures were Jesus's Bible. You know, when we get into the New Testament, <laughs> it's kind of mind-boggling to think that uh, no one in the New Testament had the New Testament, um, presumably, right? The oldest, so let's, let's, let's jump into the New Testament, uh, or the Christian scriptures, the oldest New Testament scripture that we have is 1 Thessalonians. It's Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica. Uh, predates everything else in the New Testament, as far as we know, right? Um, and, and history is a bit of a, a guessing game. Archaeology is. Uh, and, and we don't have a copy from, like, we don't have Peter's copy of the Gospel of John, right? We, we, it, it's just not that we don't have that. Uh, the be our best guess is that First Thessalonians is the oldest writings uh, in uh, Christianity. Uh, it predates the Gospels. And one of the reasons we know that is because Paul never quotes the Gospels. <laughs> That's usually a dead giveaway, right? Crazy. To, uh, so this is mind-blowing. It's like in, in Second Timothy, at the beginning of Second Timothy, Paul gives thanks for Timothy's mother and grandmother. His grandmother was Lois and his mother was Eunice. <laughs> And he commends their faith. And the really interesting thing about that, and I love sitting with this, is that there were faithful Christians who predate 2 Timothy. <laughs> there, were, there were churches established. In other words, the church in Thessalonica predates 1 Thessalonians. <laughs> it predates the New Testament itself. And that's an important thing to, to hold in tension, is, is the people came first. The movement came first, the way, as it was called. The way came first, and the New Testament is a response to that and, and understanding that. Uh, it's, it's a little kooky sometimes to think about, uh, but yeah, the church in Thessalonica was planted without a New Testament. Can you imagine planting a church without a New Testament? Uh, well, that's exactly what happened <laughs> in the Bible. First Thessalonians is the oldest letter we have, and it's a, it's a letter written to a church that's already there. So what were they using? They were using the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, that was that was their Bible. That's how important the Old Testament. That's what you know. Uh, you know, Gideon's uh, the group, the Gideons. That's a farther. That's a bigger conversation to have to talk about the Gideons. Yeah, but the Gideons Bible. Uh, if you go, you know, uh, get a handle like a which I, I got as a kid. Right, I get the, the little pocket guide. It has. Uh, I think it has the Psalms and the New Testament. You know, uh, fine. You know, that's cool. That's fine. But understand that <laughs> all the churches that Paul planted 
none of them were planted with a copy of the New Testament. Uh, that's just crazy to think about. Uh, and the Gospels are some of the later writings in the New Testament. All of Paul's letters predate the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, Mark is the oldest and probably written a little bit before 70 AD or ACE, whatever your flavor. Uh, and then, and then as we go older and older, Matthew a little bit after 70, Luke around about the same time as Matthew. And those are called the synoptics, right? Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're called the synoptic gospels because they are in sync with each other. Bye, bye, bye. It's gonna be May. Not in sync. They're in sync with, with, with each other. Uh, that was, oh, I asked my daughters. I was playing an NSYNC song on Spotify and I asked them to name the band. And they said, oh, that's a song from NYSNC. Like, oh man, I'm failing you. It's called NSYNC. That's the band. It's not NY. Oh, anyway, bless her. Oh, and if you ask them like, hey, can you pretend to make a phone call? They do this because of the ascent of cell phones. They don't do this. That's crazy. That may mean I'm just getting old. That's fine. Time keeps marching on. Anyway, what's I talking about? Um, the New Testament, the order, the, the age of the New, the New Testament. Um, so you have Mark as the oldest, then Matthew, Luke, and then John. John was written in the early second century. Uh, and it is quite different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Again, if you're reading like a blueprint, you're going to run into problems because in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, for example, Jesus is crucified after the Passover meal, right? The Last Supper is a Passover meal. Uh, in the Gospel of John, Jesus died. While, oh, Jesus died. Jesus was crucified while the lambs were being prepared at the temple for the Passover meal, right? So, if we're reading like a blueprint, we're gonna we're gonna run into some issues there, right? Uh, the Gospel. These are the, they're not autobiography. They're not biographies that we might pick up at Barnes and Noble. They're theological writings to make sense of who Jesus is right? Overturning the money changing tables, right? In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that happens at the end of the story. In the Gospel of John, it's one of the first things Jesus does. And we shouldn't be bothered by that. Like, that that's okay. These are theological writings trying to help us connect with, with Christ and connect with the truth, as I was talking about on Sunday. So, uh, just kind of an interesting thing there that uh, the churches that Paul planted in Thessalonica, Ephesus, Rome, you know, uh, they all predate the New Testament itself. <laughs> and that's, now there was an oral tradition. There were some, there were some writings now, uh, like for example, in, in Philippians, we have what's called the Christ hymn, uh, which is a, a piece of liturgy. Maybe it, it might've been put to music. We're, we're not really sure, but it was, it was poetry that talked about, you know, Christ emptied himself and took the form of humanity, took the form of a slave. And because of that, God exalted him. And uh, so that was language that existed, but it wasn't the New Testament as we think, of the New Testament. So the first four books in the New Testament are Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, and then we have the writings. Most of those writings uh, were by the Apostle Paul or written in the name of Paul. And that's uh, a common thing uh, in, in ancient literature is to uh, write in the name of your teacher, right? Uh, we know that, for example, Romans was written by Paul and First Thessalonians was written by Paul, but we're not, we're not quite sure that, that Ephesians was actually written by Paul. The language is, is so very different. Colossians, we're not quite sure. Galatians, we're pretty sure is Paul. Uh, and that's kind of the marker. Does it agree with Galatians and Romans? You know, there are some theological differences in Paul's writings, but that's okay too. 
uh, because it, there, there's a, a span there. He didn't write them all at once. Even Paul grew in faith. And when you grow in faith, you mature in faith. And sometimes uh, it's like me reading a sermon that I gave 10 years ago is not the same as the sermons that I give now, right? It's not that the sermons earlier were wrong. It's just I've, I've learned more. <laughs> and that's a good thing, right? And I encourage you to do that. Anytime you do a Bible study, take a lot of notes. And then later on down the line, take a look back at those notes. And, and hopefully you've grown. Uh, in faith and come to a deeper understanding of that. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they, they detail the story of Jesus, right? The climax of the covenant, of God's covenant with, with God's people. And then we jump into uh, the letters, which is most of the New Testament written by Paul or in the name of Paul. There's also the letter of James, uh, which is traditionally understood as Jesus's brother. He was the, the head of the church in Jerusalem. We also have First uh, and Second Peter and letters of John, First, Second, Third John, and then we have apocalyptic literature like Revelation, right? Which is uh, fantastic. It's crazy. It's a great book. Uh, it's very exciting. <laughs> Lots of stuff happening in the Book of Revelation. It's a lot of fun to read, but it's also written in code, right? Uh, and and we've lost some of that code in understanding Revelation. But long story short. Uh, since we have about 10 minutes left before the band comes in and tells me to go go to practice, uh, is that's the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then the letters, and then uh, the apocalyptic literature, which means something hidden being revealed. That's what apocalypse means, is to reveal uh, something hidden that is being revealed. All of that to say, the Bible is a library with lots of different sources, lots of different communities and traditions uh, are found in that library, all of them want us to ponder three things. Who is God? Who is humanity? And what is God and humanity together? If you're to put it in a sentence, that that's what scripture is. It is a Holy Spirit inspired, uh, uh, a Holy Spirit inspired library to lead us into pondering who God is, who we are, and who God and humanity is together. That's a really cool thing. Uh, if you're reading the Bible and you're bored, uh, you're not reading it right. <laughs> There's so much there. It's, it's a wealth. You know, you know, the, the Bible can be abused, however, right? Yeah, have, you heard, have you heard about Thomas Jefferson's Bible? Uh, Thomas Jefferson cut out all of the, um, oh, what is it called? Um, he wanted to find the Christ in the midst of all that Christ was buried in. And he considered, Jefferson did at least, uh, considered like all of the miracle stories uh, to be fodder and, and not real. So he literally cut them out. And I think Dr. Howell says something about it. Yes, he says the rubbish, yeah. To discern, oh yeah, to find Christ, what is really Christ from the rubbish in which Christ is buried. <laughs> the rubbish included the miraculous anything divine. This is not surprisingly, Thomas Jefferson's biography of Jesus ends with the sealing of the tomb. See, Thomas Jefferson cut out all the miracles of his Bible, <laughs> which is, I don't advise that. <laughs> I don't advise you cutting anything out of the Bible. Uh, but just, uh, you know, uh, we all treat the Bible differently, some some better better than others. You know, we talk about the our, uh, it's inauguration day, we're not going to jump into that at all. But you know, we talk about our founding fathers and in, in the, in the, you know, the, the Christianity or their faith in general. You know, uh, Thomas Jefferson cut out all the miracles of his Bible. Like that's 
kind of embarrassing, but we're not going to talk about that. We're we're not going to leave. leave. That's a whole other session. So how do we read? What do we do with the Bible? How do we read it? How do we read it well? Well, one way to do that is to follow what's called the lectionary. Oh, and did I do a banner for the lectionary? Did I do? No, I didn't do a banner. (coughs) You'll just have to listen to me. Sorry about that. Um, uh, Scripture, in terms of worship, is organized in a three-year cycle called the lectionary. There's year A, year B, and year C. We are in year B right now of that lectionary cycle. And every Sunday, there are four readings. With the exception of Easter, the four readings each week, uh, there's an Old Testament, there's a Hebrew scripture reading, there is uh, a Psalm, there is a New Testament reading, and there's also a gospel reading. Uh, each week. Sometimes here at Asbury, uh, we follow the lectionary. And actually, I, I call you know Jesus of Nazareth a sermon series. I guess it is, but it's actually following the lectionary. <laughs> it is the lectionary readings uh, for each week. Uh, so there are four readings each Sunday. Uh, with the exception of uh, in Easter, the Old Testament is traded out for the book of Acts. Acts is the Hebrew scripture reading uh, for that. And that's an ancient tradition. Um, and it's kind of an interesting little quirk of, of the lectionary cycle. So every week we have four uh, readings from which to, tr- to choose. So you can read scripture in the context of worship. You can read scripture daily. And I encourage you to do that. Um, I'll put this up here. Uh, a really great site uh, to check out uh, to learn more about this is lectionary.library.vanderbilt which used to be a United Methodist, used to be a Methodist school, .edu. Uh, and you should, you should check that out. Lectionary.library.vanderbilt.edu will have the lectionary readings. Uh, and you can also follow along daily. There's a daily lectionary that you can read for your own uh, devotion. One of my favorites that I use, I have it on my iPad. Uh, it's called Feasting on the Word. Uh, and it's, I'll show it to you uh, right here. Uh, if I can get to it, uh, da, 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 let me pull it up. Um, oh, it's not giving me the title page. Anyway, uh, it's called Feasting on the Word, uh, and they have little daily, uh, daily deals like here's the reading for Saturday, uh, and that's the text for Sunday, Mark 1, 14 through 20, that I'm going to be preaching on. And it has a little daily, daily thing. You just follow along and you read it every day. It's very life-giving. I love it. Uh, highly recommend that. It's called uh, Feasting on the Word Daily uh, Devotions. Lectionary.library.vanderbilt.edu is another great uh, source. So, in summary, uh, and then we'll, we'll leave some, some time for questions. This four-week journey that we're going to be on, we start with Scripture, then we move to the life of Jesus. We talk about the church and the church history, like how the church, how, how Methodists wind up here, you know, where, where, where we come from, uh, or whoever was watching. I don't want to assume that everyone is watching as a Methodist. Uh, and then uh, today, like the ethical teachings, what does it mean to be a Christian today, right? Uh, this session is all about what is the Bible? Uh, some things to, to take away uh, is that uh, the Bible, uh, the three hurdles, right? Language, time, and culture. We need to hold those in tension with one another. Uh, when we're reading. And you know, when we're reading scripture, we might come to different interpretations and that's okay as long as uh, our interpretations cause no harm, uh, lead us into doing good and keep us connected with God. Like that's okay. When we talk about the Bible, we might be talking about different things depending on our 
tradition. Uh, it's also important that, that we don't read all of scripture like a blueprint. There are some parts of scripture that are literally a blueprint, <laughs> like the building of the tabernacle, uh, but not always. Uh, and if we read it like a blueprint, we, we run into problems and we run into issues. The Hebrew scriptures uh, is the Torah, the prophets and the writings, and that was Jesus's Bible. Uh, they didn't have uh, in, in, in Rome, the, when, when, when Paul, well, he never, well, he did go to Rome, but it's iffy whether or not he made it to the, anyway, uh, let's say Philippi. We know he went to Philippi. He actually was in jail in Philippi. Uh, he didn't go to uh, Philippi and then look up First Thessalonians in their pew Bible. Like it wasn't there. Uh, this was Jesus's Bible. This was the church's Bible, uh, the Torah, the prophets, and the writings. Uh, and then the New Testament, which I did not do a banner for, <laughs> uh, is the Gospels, the letters, and then apocalyptic literature. All of that is a library that leads us into pondering who God is, who we are, and what it means to be connected with God. And that's scripture. And that's where we start. In terms of introducing Christianity, we are a people of a book. And it's it's important to, to know that book. It's important to be literate with that book, to know the stories of our faith and our tradition. It's also important to read it well and, and, and to know how to use it. Uh, so we have just a few minutes. Uh, any questions, any thoughts, any concerns? Next week, we're going to talk about uh, specifically uh, the life of Jesus. Hard to introduce Christianity without uh, talking about who Jesus was and who Christ is and why I say those two things uh, differently. Uh, any questions, any comments, any concerns, any curiosities that you might want to know about? Like what is our, our set list for Sunday? We're singing Come to the Altar this Sunday, which is one of our favorites. Come to the altar. Father's arms are open. And if we do it right, well, if not if we do it right, uh, we're planning, I'm planning on singing a duet with Isabel and Anna Lee this Sunday, uh, but we need to practice it. I'm not sure it's going to happen. It's on the, the sheet. We're planning to do it, uh, but we need to practice and get it, get it well. So that'd be fun. Uh, names of the devotion. Uh, the devotion again, please. Names of the devotion. What do you mean, Catherine, uh, when you say the names of, of the devotion? Uh, the names of the sources that we're using. Uh, let me pull that up. Uh, we're using James, book, James Howell's book, Introducing Christianity, Exploring the Bible, Faith, and Life. Is the main text uh, that I'm using, just kind of as a general scaffolding uh, on which to, to base uh, this study. Uh, so that's kind of the primary book that we're using. It's a great book. It's really accessible. Uh, and it, it's, it's, it's quite good. Oh, feeding on the word daily devotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let me pull this, uh, picture down. Feasting on the word, uh, is what it's called. I have a copy of what the, what the cover looks like. It's on my shelf. Let me uh, grab it real quick. It's called feasting on the word daily lectionary. Uh, daily readings, and it follows uh, the lectionary. Uh, this is what it looks like. Feasting on the Word is what it's called. This is actually a commentary. This isn't the, the devotion. It's on my iPad, uh, but it's called Feasting on the Word. Uh, and this happens to be year B, in, uh, where we find ourselves. Uh, really great. Yeah, feasting. Feasting on the Word uh, is is what it's called. Really great resource. Um I highly, highly recommend that as a, as a daily, daily reading. 
Uh, any other questions, thoughts, or comments before we uh, say goodbye? Uh, yes, my app uh, is on the iPad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feasting on the word. Um, seeing none, uh, I hope to see you this Sunday as we continue our series, um, Jesus of Nazareth, like getting back to the basics of who Jesus is. We're talking about this Sunday, we're talking about what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? I wrote a little bit about it in our newsletter this week. Um, oh, thanks, Angie. I appreciate that. Um, uh, I trust you're doing well. I, I miss all of your faces, by the way. Uh, you know, we, 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 we are worshiping in person, uh, but we're also worshiping uh, online. Uh, but, you know, selfishly, I miss your face. <laughs> selfishly, I miss seeing all of you. Uh, but, but, but please don't come if you're not feeling well, uh, if you're not comfortable. Uh, with coming. But this Sunday, we are talking about what, is it, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus, uh, which is the next step in, in the series, which is actually the lectionary. And those who didn't take the class won't know that. It's actually following the lectionary, uh, year B. Uh, and next week in this class, we're actually going to talk about the life of Jesus in some, some detail because uh, some things are just easier and better and more fu- more fruitful in this kind of setting, in a small group setting, to talk about the life of Jesus as opposed to uh, the pulpit. But I hope you're having fun. I'm having a lot of fun. But it is time uh, to go to band practice uh, to get ready for Sunday. Uh, let's end with a word of prayer as we leave this place. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your presence here with us. Uh, as we gathered via this this medium. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit is upon all of us. Uh, those who are with us in the study, those who are not able to make it, those who may be watching it later, or those who haven't quite discovered your grace yet in your love. Father, we, we do know that our world is in desperate need of grace and love and justice with mercy. So lead us as your church to be the light in the world. We give you thanks for this night. For this day and for this night, we give our thanks. Help us to rest well this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See you all next time or see you on Sunday or or maybe uh, if you're Caleb Miller, I'll see you at uh, the the chicken salad place across the street from the church. (laughs) Have a great evening. Talk to you all later.